We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Man, we should do somebody should do a song, dude. I'm telling you, that's the next step. So I dropped the beat for us. Throw, throw that bad fellow on TikTok. <laughs> make a little dance to it. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis. I know the name. Blake's Boston College 44 the zip. That dude right there. He is the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you by Nora Whiskey at norawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey at norawhiskey.com. And if you drink, by gosh, you got to drink. Responsibly. Absolutely. Jumping into it. Look, one month until signing day. One month until signing day. We'll talk about some recruiting stuff, some rumors, some trends, flipping season, all of that stuff. Then we'll get into some comments that got people riled up. I, I, I've come to realize this weekend that I'm just a different breed, bro. <laughs> like I focus too much on what I need to be grateful for in life than what I can't have. I hear that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I focus on what I've been given to be able to live a great life. Less anxiety in your life when you're grateful, man. Yeah, and I I don't have time to focus on what everybody else is doing to be successful. I just don't. I don't. But we're going to get into that. We talk about the unfortunate comments, according to Irish fans, that Phil Jakovic made over the weekend. We'll dig into it because I knew it was going to come up. I knew it was going to come up. It came up on my feed, on social media, and I, I stayed away from it. I spoke about it a little bit on the IV post game show, but yeah. I'm not going to go full in because I can't for certain reasons, but we'll get to it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We'll get Malik's grades in a few minutes. Well, overall, what, what were your thoughts about a, a somewhat controversial weekend of college football? But I'm going to tell you what, man. I was thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed that UCLA USC game. Thoroughly enjoyed, man. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. That was, was great, great, great college football game. Fantastic, absolutely football game. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But overall, how'd you feel about the weekend in college football? So uh, it was a good weekend. I thought it it, it got to show. Uh, a lot of what guys have uh, that have been counted out. Talk about Spencer Rattler, a guy that's been through a lot, uh, and go out there and, and perform like that against the number five team in the country at home. It's it's been really cool. It's been really cool to see him uh, get back to being where he should be. Also, uh, for us being able to 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 have a dominant performance. And, and do the things that, that I was saying was important for us to be able to do and show going into this SC week, which I fully believe we're ready to take that challenge head on um, and, and winning in, in, in the fashion that we did. Like Zay Flowers, like, come on, we we handled that. That's a, that's a great uh, thing you can hang your hat on defensively. Uh, and then just that UCLA-USC game, man, Caleb Williams still my favorite football uh, quarterback right now. And I mean, him and DTR is out there dueling and dealing and uh, dropping dimes and all type of playmaking. So uh, it's just really good to see when you have two uh, superstar quarterbacks uh, going against each other in a late night primetime game, uh, how fun it makes college football in in, in general. And so uh, seeing that just uh, excited me because I know that that game was very emotional. It took a lot out of uh, SC, and, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm glad for that. We need that that chunk taken out, especially when we go out there uh, and try to give them another upset. Yeah, we got a full week to talk about the matchup. You know, Notre Dame goes out. We're gonna step on the buildings like the dog pound stepped on the buildings when they did New York, New York, baby. That's right. We're coming to crush the Coliseum. 
That's our focus. Plenty of time this week to talk about the matchup. Weeks ago, you said this would be the biggest challenge to the Notre Dame secondary. Uh, your relationship going back to his junior year in high school with Caleb Williams and seeing him at the Elite 11 and him and his dad and the angst he has over not getting an offer from Notre Dame and that chip still being on his shoulder. It's going to play a part in this game. You he, wants chance, he wants to put on a show against Notre Dame and close it out. So it's a lot of storylines. A lot of storylines. It's going to be fantastic. Bitter rivals with everything on the line. Everything's on the line for SC. Everything. Yo, I, I, I fully expect it to be a classic Notre Dame-USC game. Yeah, I definitely think it should be around where that Bush push game is. The Any game Reggie Bush played in, I think uh, it's going to be that type of excitement. Uh, the Brady Quinn matchups, the Jimmy Clausen matchups with SC. I think this is one of those performances, and um, especially how it was in 2012, where everything was on the line for us. And we needed to beat USC to close it out, get to the championship. Now it's just vice versa. We become the spoilers. In this case, and I think uh, we can get it done. I honestly think we can get it yeah. done. Uh, yeah. Marcus Freeman has got this team in the right mindset, and, and they're playing with each other. And, and you know, Fowski finally got that sack record. So, you know, a lot of good things are cooking. Now, obviously, we're going in with the worser of the quarterbacks, but I think if he just yeah. does his job, we can we can get a chance to win. You know what? That's the LL question of the day, bro. Brought to you by Nora Whiskey. At the end of the game, to decide the game, which unit would you prefer to be on the field? Mm. The Notre Dame offense needing to score or the Notre Dame defense needing to get a stop in the fourth quarter? That's the LL question of the day. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Do you trust this Notre Dame offense against a worn down, thin in the pants, USC defense? Or do you trust this Notre Dame defense that has given up some points in the fourth quarter to stop Caleb Williams, Mike Williams? And that they got some guys over Jordan there. Addison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Todd's Washington. I can go on and on. <laughs> who do you trust? Look, man, that's the I one thing that's Nick Morrison. That's, that's who I need to trust. Man, man, who do you trust? I see man. the chat is, is lighting up. If <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Bob. You're not getting a blowout this week, my brother. Yeah, yeah. They can, score, they can score as many points as they, as they need to. That's the difference. <laughs> Notre, <laughs> Notre Dame is going to have to score some points this week, but it would not be a blowout. Mm -hmm. I think this is Caleb Williams injures himself walking around campus in flip flops. Maybe you have a chance for some. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, ain't no maybe. If he ain't there, we definitely went in and smoking him for sure. <laughs> Let's but, talk about this, this shutout win. Look, you predicted that they would get over 40 points in your prediction, bro. I, I didn't see it. I thought the, the inclement weather would play a part. 
But, yo, they really were able to go ahead, do what they needed to do, and really from the first drive, five plays, all Logan digs, they were dominant. They were flat-out dominant. Yeah, they were really good. And I think a lot of it, too, is because they had such a young quarterback in the on the other side of the ball mm-hmm. that our offense was going to get more chances to score and better field position to to do that with. And we were able to take advantage and score the points against a team that we knew we were better than going into it. So I saw this a lot like how the UNC game was in week, what was that, three or four? So I I, I expected a score high like this and, and a great defensive performance because ain't no freshman quarterback beating us unless your yeah. last name is Tagovailoa. So, you know, uh, other than that, I thought our defense was going to stand out because of that. So even with the freshman quarterback, Zay Flowers, couldn't do too much. And uh, even when they tried, we had something for it. So I think all around, this is a – it's just crazy that Marcus Freeman stayed so clean throughout the game. <laughs> Man. That brother stayed clean through the snowstorm. I don't know how he did that. Man, Steve Martinez, this is funny. Because now we're disrespecting UCLA. He said they barely beat UCLA. We barely beat Navy. What's your point? <laughs> like, what's your point? Like, don't, don't, don't. He's that. good, too. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. That's a road game in conference against a rival that got out to a 14 to nothing lead, and everybody thought UCLA was about to run them. And USC did what they had to do. They did what they had to do. To come back and get the victory. That's not diminish what they did on Saturday night. Like I said, it was a fabulous college football game. Absolutely amazing. But getting back to Notre Dame's ability, and Marcus Freeman talked about this, and we'll get to Marcus Freeman in a minute. He talked about the ability to establish, I don't care what front the defense is running, we have to run the ball. I don't care how many people they have in the box. We have to find a way to run the ball. When I heard him say that, I was like, okay. I mean, heck, if that's the mentality, <laughs> you have it. You know, and, and it's really because of we understand why he's saying that. And I think he said it. We're the team we need to be to win today. But it doesn't yeah. mean that we're the team that we're going to be. Yeah. You understand? So I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Boston College would do a little bit more than they did. I thought they would press. I thought Boston College would come in and just be like, look, we putting 10 in the box. Y'all can play out. We going man to man all day. Safety's in the box. And they really didn't do that. It was almost like they tried to line up and, and feel like they could do some things. They could stunt. They could slant and do some things with the linebackers to interrupt the running game. And they found out quickly, like, nah. He's like, oh, we have to tackle, though. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we look good getting there, but tackling them dudes. Yeah. No, that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. Let's start right now. Lucky Lefty Podcast, brought to you by Nora Whiskey. Go to CFB Nation right now. Get all of our great content. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave five stars. We would greatly appreciate it. Leave your comments. We love those. We respond to those. Make sure you get involved. Follow us at Lucky Lucky Pod on Instagram and Twitter. 
as well SD2 Mike's overtime Malik and Malik Zaire eight. It's time for the grades, bro. Uh, is this going to be the first week you give A's across the board? Can we fast to. forward? Can we fast forward through this? We might, yeah, we might A's across the board. A's across the board. <laughs> Anytime you get a shutout, and we had to deal with the weather conditions. You know? Yeah. And was making plays when you couldn't even see them on TV. Yeah. If I couldn't yeah. see the plays being made on TV, I don't know how Ben caught that pick. So right. <laughs> <laughs> A's across the board, man. It was just great to see us. Uh, on all phases, too, just come out and, and really do our thing. Now, somebody on this show during their prediction did not predict the 40 points, but did predict a double-digit lead early and that the snow would begin to fall in the second half <laughs> and called it a magical day. Yeah. That's what I asked for. And I got exactly what I asked for. Jump out early. Make it a magical day. Absolutely. I challenge everyone, everyone to go watch the last defensive play of the game. And you want to be happy about the future of Notre Dame? Watch the three players that smacked the running back. They were all yeah, the, the only The only plays that mattered was the plays made by Jalen Sneed. I, I knew you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and talk about him, Lev. Talk I, about him, I wish he – look, that was the best plays the whole day was made by Jalen Sneed at the end. Just like, mm, when you talk about you need that bully on the team, where you're like, is this guy okay outside of the football field? That's the guy you need right there. That's the guy that's changing the nature of the Notre Dame defense right there in the future. You see that's in the future right there. That's how Alvin Mack, bro. They had to calm down. They said, the game over, man. Calm down. He said, no. Smacking fools. And then he was talking stuff to the yes, running back. Yes. He was like, what you, what? What? I'm here. Oh, man, that was the best play of the game. And he did it again. I mean, he was all over the field. I don't, right. know, I don't know about that weight room, nothing. He looked like he's ready to roll. And I, I don't know if it's too late, but put him in there. Shoot, him and Prince Collie, put, mix it up, man. Jalen Sneed deserves everything he's getting in the future, man. I can't wait to see how he develops. But, man, no fear. And I like oh, that. Man. He's going to be our album oh. back at the line of scrimmage talking to the quarterback. I remember you. <laughs> I remember you. You're the one that did that to my mother. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yo, so it's, Maybe it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had someone that infectious with an attitude like that. Maybe uh Aaron uh Aaron Lynch. I mean not Aaron Lynch, uh uh uh, uh, uh who's the uh, the DN that went to USF after Notre Dame? Aaron Lynch. Oh yeah, Aaron Lynch, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe with, that's the last attitude. Uh, Let man. me tell you something. On the last play of the game, <laughs> you go watch it. Now, this is Jalen Sneed had already popped the running back. Already popped Had already done that. <laughs> last play of the game, they run to the left. Josh Burnham is playing defensive end. 
Nolan Ziegler is playing inside linebacker, and Jalen Sneed is Rover. All three of them got to that dude. <laughs> All three. That one is on the other. Burnham chased him down from the backside. <laughs> Ziggler's in the middle. Sneeze and Rover. And they, they all came at the same time. Man, they yeah. took a full season of waiting on the sideline out. And them three plays. Like, they stood out more than almost anything else the whole day. <laughs> like, I almost wanted to turn off until I saw him hit. I said, oh, he hit him like that? Yes. How much time left? And yes. he hit him again? Oh. Yes. It was fantastic to see. And I understand people have been begging for, I think, for a lot of reasons. Um, you saw why they rely on J.D. Bertrand heavily right. as the leader of that defense. And to get him back was huge. Um, but... This is what I've been telling people all season, man. Like, you can get caught up, and understandably so. I'm not telling you to feel good about Stanford. I'm not telling you to feel good about Marshall. But what I have been telling you all year is that things are, are changing on this roster as far as the talent. That's right. Did you see the play Jason Onye made? I didn't call him for the face mask. But, yeah, you know, it's like, yo. Penetrates. Tyson Ford gets in there. Look, the athlete on this roster at the bottom level is different. Yeah, it's different. And it's going as they ascend. The level under them is going to be different. You'll see so a on and so forth. Change though, it's a huge transition of of different athlete. You're going to see mm -hmm. this next year. Yeah, and it's just from them three plays alone. Yes. We haven't had a, a, a three plays like that in a while. No. From just an excitement, I want to watch that all the time. Yeah. Like, Bowski broke Justin Tuck's sack record uneventfully in a lot of cases. Yeah, you heard the claps. They announced it, and I was like, it was okay. Just, it was just, you know, it wasn't. But you would be like, dang, you had 25 your whole career. I didn't even. Yeah. I didn't even remember counting them all. So it's like. But them three plays by the freshman, yeah, you can tell that that's gonna be something you want to watch every week. Yeah, and you gonna remember that. So, I think Mark, Marcus Freeman did his recruiting job really well, and you're gonna see the the fruits of that in these years to come. Man, now let me tell you the best picture of the weekend. It wasn't the seniors coming back out doing snow angels and having a snow fight and building snowmen that was called. It wasn't Aldrick Estime's touchdown running through the snow. It wasn't Benjamin Morrison's two interceptions. Let me tell you the most important picture from this weekend, bro. And you might put me on the petty train, but for me, this is the best. This is the most important picture all weekend that we saw. All weekend, bro. There it is right there. <laughs> See that? That's about. Three to four inches difference, bro. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. That's about 6'2 to me. I'm saying 6'3. You say 6'3? That's about, because, you know, Drew Pine's like 5'10, 5'10. That's about 6'2 to me, bro. Drew got cleats on, though. And you're right. That's a good see, point. And that takes about an inch, maybe three inches off. 
That's that's, that's a good point. Eight. Yeah. Something. Either way, I like that picture. Mm-hmm. You know why? Why? And it shows that he looks comfortable. Mm. And he knows that that's the passing of the torch mm. in the future. Because they're going to put this picture up there on, on Kenny on Kenny Minchie's senior year and be like, this is where it all started. And this and this is what's going to have to happen, man. I'm glad that Drew is a good sport. He knows what needs to enhance his program. Mm. And he's doing his job as a Notre Dame quarterback. Yeah. Getting talent to come to the school. I like this picture, right? Because you wonder how much fraternization goes on between the recruits and the actual players on the roster. Um, Kenny Minchie kicked it with the crew all day. He walked the stadium with Tommy Reese on Friday night. He arrived on Friday. Immediately went to Notre Dame. Kicked it with the coaches, with Freeman, Tommy Reese. They went to the stadium. Tommy showed them, this is your house. This is your house. You're here. You don't right? see any QBs here. Next day, he gets to the stadium. Who was waiting on him? Drake Bowen. He took a picture next to Drake Bowen. He's taller than Drake Bowen, bro. Yeah. yeah. Don't look at the picture with him and Drake Bowen. He's got Drake eh, by a little bit. And Drake's big. Yeah, and everybody's wondering. He's listed as 6'1". And how tall is he? There you go. There you go. There you go. You see for yourself. You see for yourself. Great weekend. Talked to Drake Bourne. Said everything was fantastic. He was like, he basically said he's like already one of the boys. It's like he's been around us all year long. He's one of the boys. That's right. So, look. I just had to show that picture, bro. That that made my heart feel good. I was like, yes. This picture means so many good things. Everyone, so many good things. I was going to get a lot more competitive. Yeah. That picture makes, look, a guy like Drew sees him and says, okay, it's about to get hot. About to get hot. Yeah, because I think him and Tyler may be comfortable with one yeah, another. Nice, yeah, the nice. You know, From a competitive standpoint, they're comfortable. Yeah. Fair, fair shape. They look back at Steve. They look back at Steve. They really don't feel like, uh, a lot of pressure. He's He could be one of our guys. He's, yeah. He's a guy. He's one of us. Kenny shows up in January. See? See? Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we got a little Ari Lennox going on. Look, Just a little pressure. bit. Little pressure, pressure. <laughs> now, 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 you want to run your own receiver, you know, uh, uh, times outside of the field, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be good pressure though. Yeah, yeah, good pressure. Now, do you think we should let uh, Braden Lindsey give his uh, opinion on Kenny Minchie before he uh, walks the stage? <laughs> Brady, what do you think about Kenny Mitchell? <sighs> Man, he's got some of the best hair I've seen <laughs> from my quarterbacks. You know, yeah. it's really soft. 
got a nice, nice style to it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? It's Brain is the best, man. Brain is the best. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Go ahead, bro. Let's start with the offensive line. Offensive line, gotta give him an A just because I love the fact that we can continue to run the ball whenever we want, no matter what the box looks like. And to start off how we did with Logan Diggs getting a 57-yard run, just yeah. to let everybody know that we're blocking stuff around here, it's just it's just an A performance. Once again, Harry Heastan has made us uh, a competitive top four team offensively every year. All right. Or no, let's go to the receivers. Let's go to the receivers. You know, we give him a a B plus. Uh, just good to see them uh, be involved a little bit more, but mm-hmm. under the conditions and still being able to be technically sound and do some good things here and there and catch and run after the catch. Uh, you know, you, you happy with the win because it was just overwhelmingly great against a team that we know shouldn't even have been on the same field because they got a lot of different issues going on themselves. Mm-hmm. But we're just a better football team, so it's hard to give anything under than a B plus. Running backs. Got to give them an A. They are the workhorse of the team. Yes. They are the workhorse of the team. So I think it's just important that we just know that at the end of the day, our running backs – are going to carry us the whole way. Now, when we get that extra quarterback, that's when we become the brand of college football. Once again, we take back over what we felt like we should have had in 2015, 16, and and there beyond. I just want to say Logan Diggs and Audrey Estime have an outside shot of both going over 1,000 yards. That would be – that would be phenomenal. And I'm sure hopefully Notre Dame is going to give us that information in the packet they send to us each and every week. I'm not sure the last time that happened. Two 1,000-yard rushers at Notre Dame. That would be uh, Sneer and Theo? In 12? Or, or Theo had like a 1,000 all-purpose or something like that? Maybe. Maybe. Mm. But yeah, 2,000 yard backs, crazy. Because what we, what we usually do is just run the heck out of one, like mm-hmm. we did CJ or Josh. But we at that time, we had CJ, Josh, and Dex, where they all could have had 2,000 yard running backs. We just didn't do it like that. But now, the way we're running it by committee, I mean, these guys are so talented. They, they can both give us a little bit of that thunder and lightning that we talked about. I think the last time Josh and CJ was the last last time it was close. Josh and CJ. Okay. Josh and CJ was the last time it was close. That was when you were injured. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I knew I knew I was there at some point. Yeah. It was close to that at least. Yeah. Lucky Lucky Podcast. So, Let's go to the quarterback. You know, you give him an A. Uh, 
senior night, I think he did really well, man, for putting on the show, uh, got us in good positions, you know, and and gave the ball to the guys that, you know, we know we can they can make plays for him, and yeah. he's getting more comfortable being in that position, trusting the offense, and uh, not making too many mistakes. So, as long as he can keep on that trajectory, uh, you know, you got to give him an A. Now, I hope he does the same type of performance and we looks comfortable against teams that actually, you know, are pretty good like next week. So hopefully this game gives him enough confidence to be like, if I just stick to the script, I can at least give us a chance at least late against USC. Yeah, I totally agree. And if USC does not play at the same level, if USC allows Notre Dame to jump out 14-zip, the Notre Dame defense is totally different than UCLA. Now, I will say that, right? The styles make fights. Um, the type of game, how it starts, going into the half, what happens. There are pockets of games that are really important. But you play full 60. I don't think USC really wants to give Notre Dame a 14-zip lead and then try to play catch-up because you won't have the same amount. They got so many extra opportunities because of the turnovers and the interceptions from DTR, the fumble. They also got opportunities from, man, the UCLA offense just kind of bogging down for a nice little period. Notre Dame is going to take time off the clock. Yeah, it's not going to be a 40, 40 to 45 type of game. Just That's just not how we're going to allow it to go, even though I don't think we should be super conservative like we were against Ohio State. I think we should right. stay aggressive. I just don't think the nature of having three running backs and two that can go hit 4,000, having a, a short time possession, I don't think that's possible. So I do think that it'll be more around that 28, 35, like sort of how the Utah game was for them. No, that was that was high score. It'll be more 28-35 range, I would expect, uh, in a matchup like this. Oh boy, lucky lefty podcast. Go to the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> you know what? I can't go to the I can't go to the defensive side of the ball without hearing from that dude. Boy, this dude makes me proud to be a Notre Dame fan left. He makes me proud to be a Notre Dame fan. And if everyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about that star that was born on November 5th against Clemson. All my credit to my defensive line. Um, without their pressure, I wouldn't have came. Um, so once I saw them get in the backfield, I knew I had to plastic. That's what um, Coach Mickens um, emphasized all week, um, plastering the receiver. So when the quarterback scrambles, I got to make sure I, I'm on my man at all times. Um, and I got, <clears throat> I saw my opportunity. I went and go and went and got and went to go get it. Um, and the second one was just, I just felt the release um, and trusted my instincts and looked back, and there it was. What's your thought going through your mind at the third when you see that ball floating in the snow, knowing you have two picks? Um, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me. Uh, I just, I don't know. I know the opportunity. Um, I want to capitalize on it. So, great players just be around the ball, man. Like that's that's just how it happens. I I used to be so like mystified how Matthias Farley would have so many picks 
and turnovers and stuff. And I'd be like, he would be the slowest DB we have at the time on the field. You know, we had fast guys and all this other stuff. But it's like, no matter what, the ball would always find Matthias, and Matthias would always find the football. And it was just one of those things. Great players just are just great around the ball. I don't know. And he has great ball skills as well to be able to, like he said, trust his instincts, turn around, and make the play. What's been the complaint about half the time with our secondary is that we'll be there, but just don't make the play, i.e. Nick Coleman, even though I love him to death. But, man, if Nick Coleman had a little bit of the Benjamin Morrison instinct, Nick Coleman would be Deion Sanders now. (laughs) But anyway, I do think that having a guy like this emerge at such a young age on his defense shows the, the leadership that surrounds him and gives him the confidence to be able to make these plays and also what it can mean for recruiting. I know guys that Marcus Freeman is recruiting defensively are probably like, man, this is can be me, Peyton Bowen, you know. So I think it's important that we continue just nurturing our superstars and also being able to put them in good positions to make plays. Look, man, this young man here, is absolutely fantastic, Left. Not highly thought of, pushed. And this is my thing, because like I said, it is flipping season. A lot of rumors out there. Great house, Bowen. Dude, Benjamin Morrison is a dude. Is he a five-star? No. Jalen Sneed is a dude. Is he a five-star? I mean, they playing like it. Stop, man. <laughs> Notre Dame is about to break the recruiting total points record. In that era. That's including the Brian Kelly era. Brian Kelly never had a class. Highly ranked. And they did it with a staff that wasn't even together until Mm. seven and a half months ago. Mm. Complete. Eight months. Let me tell me the last time Brian Kelly had the number one and number three player in the nation in his class. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm about to preach a little bit, bro. All this panic, all this whining. You got to learn to be grateful. Because things don't always go your way. Yeah, fold your arms, love. Yeah, that's right. I'm still waiting. When's the last time Notre Dame had the number one player in the class and the number three player in the class committed simultaneously to Notre Dame? When? When? Tell me the last number one player in the nation to even look Notre Dame's way. Tell me. I'm waiting. I don't know. And for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with Notre Dame, they chose to go elsewhere. They chose to go elsewhere. That's on that fine. Bounce. 
If you're not in it because you don't love it, bounce. I don't want you here if you don't want to be here. And you're not about to pimp us. Nope. That's not happening. Go go. When's the last time Notre Dame had five 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 players in the top ninety nine? All right now. Are we doing something over here? It's currently six, but I just said five just in case one of them decides not to come. Yeah. So I'll leave it at five. I'll leave it at five. I'll leave it at five. When's the last time they had five in the top 99? Once again, a staff that's only been here. Chancey Stuckey started recruiting in like March. When? This is my problem. We whine too much, dude. And don't understand how much we have to be grateful about. Once again, go watch the last play of the Boston College game. That's what you should be grateful for. That's what you have hope for. A recruiting class in 23 that is about to break the record. That at one time had the number one player and the number three player. You lost them. It hurts. But those type of players never even committed to Notre Dame. What do you say to that? Marcus Freeman put Notre Dame at the table. At that type of table. For the first time. Be grateful. Because he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's going to be at that table in 24. He's going to be at that table in 25. And he's right. going to learn how to close the deal. You know how to close it. Be grateful. Because this is the year one. Year one. This year one. Year one. He just started recruiting in January. Ain't even got a chance to win anything yet. No. He's about to break a record with two questionable losses on his resume. Two. He lost to Stanford and Marshall. And Steele is about to break the record. Be grateful. <laughs> what are we talking? Be grateful, man. This man. Would you like to tell people what the talk about Notre Dame from a recruiting landscape was? under Brian Kelly, especially towards the end of his tenure. You want to talk about how Notre Dame had become a laughing stock from a recruiting standpoint, mm -hmm. especially among your position, quarterbacks nationally. You want to talk about what Caleb Williams has a chip on his shoulder. You can talk about it left. Go ahead. The fact ahead. that we called Keaton Slovis, the kid we was smacking up and down the field, and didn't even call Caleb at all? Wait a minute. Both times? They didn't even offer Caleb. It's high like school. They didn't call him the first time when he was a high schooler or went after it just and but you call Keaton's who quarterbacks weren't rocking with you from a nationals landscape and recruiting? They weren't. You know who changed that immediately? Marcus Freeman. Immediately. 
And you can say it might have been a mistake because he went all in. Yeah, for the first time. He said no when Jackson Arnold wanted to visit and love Notre Dame. He said, no, I got my guy. I said, I got my guy. When Chris Bazina was headed to Notre Dame. For tight end. He called him. Chris, you don't have to come. I got my dude. I'm all in. But it's crazy. He had the, wait a minute. I just want to say this. He had the three best quarterbacks in the class in love with Notre Dame. And he had just been on the job a month and a half. Tell me when Notre Dame had that type of love from quarterbacks. I'll wait. I'm waiting. Be grateful. Because you don't understand the jump that has been made in the recruiting landscape in just eight to nine months. You have no clue how the perception of Notre Dame has changed just like that. That's true. And and it's crazy that it only took a year. And see, look, People keep naming people keep naming one quarterback. One. Listen to me. Name a time the top three quarterbacks in a class in one year all wanted to come to Notre Dame. Name it. I didn't say name when they got a good quarterback. I said name a year in which all three high school quarterbacks, the top three. All wanted to come to Notre Dame. You can't because it hasn't happened. It didn't happen under Lou Holtz because Lou Holtz didn't really need those guys. It didn't happen under Brian Kelly. Best class he had come in was probably what you and, and Gunner Kill. That was yeah. From a quarterback standpoint, Ed was a five star, right? Ev was it depended upon the publication. Ev was pretty solid. So it was Ev, then Gunner, then me, I think. So, but you and Gunner were the same year, right? That was the year after, but he left so fast. So yeah, he did. He did. Somebody else came in with Gunner, though. Uh no, it was just Hendrix. They only brought in one guy. Okay. And Gunner was a late. Gunner came like on signing day. Yeah, he 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 was like a flip, if I'm not mistaken. LSU, yeah. Or my point. LSU. Yes. My point is, no one was talking about Bazina, Dante Moore, or Jackson Arnold coming to Notre Dame under the previous regime. Nobody. Nobody. As soon as Marcus Freeman took over, things changed. Um, Dude, be grateful, man. That's why I'm at peace with this team. I'm at peace with this recruiting, bro. I don't care who flips. I don't. I really don't. Because I know there's so much that has been done to improve the program in recruiting. So much that has absolutely nothing to do with ultimately who signs. 
You have to look at the totality of it. Yeah. Defensive line. Got to give him an A. Uh, saw flashes of everybody making plays. It wasn't just one guy. Uh, and, you know, Vosky getting that sack record is just an A for the whole day, especially from the D-line. Being the leader of the D-line and, and going through the, the the good and bad times and still being able to perform and execute when it matters. Uh, the D-line made a great stand in a lot of cases, made it tough for the quarterback to even get adjusted or comfortable. I mean, he was throwing picks on screens. So yeah. I think you just got to chalk it up to that pressure. And it started with those guys up front. Ooh, already know. Now, you already talked about Jalen Smith. You already <laughs> know his grade is probably about to be a little slanted. Your linebackers. <laughs> I already know his grade is about to be a little slanted. Man, I didn't. Yeah, I wish I wish they wish they didn't put him in there. <laughs> Cause that's what we got sitting back there. Shoot, man. man. <laughs> he made it an A because I was yes. about to give him a B. So yes. Yeah, I'm excited about what we uh what we got in the tank or what's already there that we've been, I guess, molding, molding yeah. in the fold during the whole season. OC, Tommy Reese. I, I'm going to be honest. I thought Tommy did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it might have been one of his best, best called games. Top three of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, a three and 17. Uh, and for us to go out and execute what Tommy does is what a great job of is mm -hmm. game planning and having those. Uh, automatic touchdowns if you just run the right if you yeah. run it right you know so yeah. we ran them right this time yeah. and you got to see some of that uh that Tommy genius that everybody likes uh and mentioned in the off season before this season started so uh if Tommy had a had his twin up there out there for real you would see a lot more performances like that I do think he is a good offensive coordinator once he starts coaching what he got on the team, not yeah. when he starts doing his own thing. <laughs> Al Golden. Got to give him an A, man. I just man, he him. needs to get a piece of that A to number 20, bro. <laughs> I knew you were about to give him, give him, give him an A, yeah. but a piece of that A needs to go to number 20. Five turnovers in two games, man. That's, you know, you're the third, what, third in the country behind mm -hmm. guys that have been – you know, trying to get them picks all season. So yeah. uh, it's an anomaly in a lot of cases, but I don't know. I mean, he just, like you said, when you're a playmaker like that, uh, good stuff happens. So maybe this could be Christian Gray next year or something, you know. Mm, could be. Could be. Somebody asked Morrison if he was surprised at what he was doing left. Surprise. Uh, every single play you got to – we have a mindset in the DB room that the ball is coming your way. So no matter what, I'm, I'm always prepared. Um, so when I do get my opportunities, um, I'll be able to take advantage of them. So I, I don't get too surprised because I haven't done anything yet. Um, and I, I just have to keep working. And I guess just how would you summarize a day like you just had? 
just fun. I mean, just to have like a game like that with your seniors, um, like not even talking about my performance, just a, a day like that. Like it felt like I was a kid out there and just around a bunch of other like grown kids. So it was, it was a fun. It was just a fun day. Oh man, see what I'm saying, left. In the world of NIL and all this other talk, it was just fun. I'm just playing around with the boys. That's all. Like, forget what I did. I'm just out there having fun with my boys. Just balling. That's what it's all about. I thought that's why kids played the game when they start. Well, yeah, I mean, generally, you you play the game because you love to play it. I think uh, the extra additives – of all this stuff included in the college football world itself, I think that just makes it more, uh, you get a little bit more tense because you're trying to keep that stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's great and it's fun, but you don't want to lose it either. So yeah. it's just a different kind of uh, mentality. But when you can see kids that are genuinely in, for the love of the game and playing with your guys, uh, you, your individual stats usually reflect that. Yeah. And, uh, and it, this is a kid that, you know, understands that he may be on a hot streak that's rare, but he hasn't established himself enough in the college football world to, for at least to himself uh, that he can rest on these laurels or this hot streak. Yeah. You have to feel good. One of the things Marcus Freeman said after the presser, man, that I love, he was like, man, this was a great day, but the switch is on tomorrow. I was like, oh, he gets it. He gets it. <laughs> like, it's reminiscent, no, seriously, it's reminiscent. Like, when Lovey Smith took the job with the Bears, his press conference, he was like, we want to win the division, we want to win the Super Bowl, but most of all, we want to beat that team up north. He got it. He got it. Like, yes, you got to talk about beating the Packers. He got it. Marcus Freeman understands. Like, yeah, great day, senior day, emotional. Got the shutout win. Got my youngsters in. They played absolutely wonderful. Played a great first half, came out. Played another second half half that was great, even though we kind of took our foot off the, you know, pedal. But we still played with effort and energy. Everyone was up on the sideline. We had a wide receiver. That was a senior get in and play defensive back. Like, like everybody's having fun. The seniors aren't sitting down. They're standing up, cheering on the young guys. Everybody's into it. Like, just absolutely magical day. And before he leaves the press conference, he's like, tomorrow is on. Yeah. It's USC tomorrow. Like, we, tomorrow, this is over. Y'all kick it tonight. Go party. Get shown all the love, receive all the love from the fans and your fellow students. Tomorrow, it's on. We got business to handle. I love it. You damn right. We do have business to handle because this is a team that we have to be locked in for. And it's a team that is going to raise the expectation of our team up as well. Mm. They're on the hot streak. They're winning right now. They're ranked and all the, and they're coming off a great win themselves. But uh, for where we want to establish ourselves, getting to a great bowl game opportunity, as well as beating our rival. Well, according to you, 
the CFP playoff. You're talking about them making a playoff if they beat USC. I mean, we should, but you know, they be hating on that. You know, like, because come on, what is Clemson right now? Like, what? Nine? I think they should, well, I think they were ninth, right? They're in the top they're 10. Around there, yeah. not, that's, that's the crazy part. Yeah. We should jump like seven spots if when we beat USC. So, wherever that lands us, because they're going to be at six probably tomorrow, right? Or sit right outside the top four or something like that. Yeah. We beat them. That means that we've beaten number six. We played number two and we beat uh, number four. How does that not spell deserving of at least being five or being like in consideration if a team loses here and some crazy situation stuff happens? Like, <clears throat> if anybody, it should be us in Alabama. I think sitting right outside the playoffs, you know, provided we win our last games, but that's 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 me just knowing how what people would want to see, not this other TCU garbage. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We would beat TCU, by the way. I, hey, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Nobody wants to see TCU. You didn't give yourself due. Notre Dame was late for the interview. When they lost to Marshall and they lost, if there was a casting call for the college football playoffs, <laughs> there was a casting call. To sit down and do a reading and have the directors check you out. And that's the committee. Notre Dame came late. And the committee was like, we would no longer see you. Uh, that's unfortunate. That's what they we're, did. We're the best talent. That they, you know, we're the best reader that you got. That could be the case. What could be the case? Could be the case. You were late. Sorry. Maybe next time. We'll do this again next year. Maybe you'll take advantage of the opportunity. Notre Dame didn't. They can't have the show without us next year for sure. That's up to Notre Dame. That is up to Notre Dame. That's up to Notre Dame. Lucky Lefty Podcast, as always. Go to CFP Nation. Check out all of our great content. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. Leave us five stars. We appreciate it. Leave comments. We respond back. It's the Lucky 
Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Now, Coach Freeman, you know, he spoke after the game and left. I'll ask you this question, but I want you to hear what Coach Freeman had to say in response to it. When someone asked him, how has your team improved since Marshall and Stanford? At some point after the season, we'll go back and reflect and say, okay, where did we start to hear right now? We're just in the moment. And, um, but they are performing and playing at such a higher level, I'm sure, than we did at the, the start of the year. But it goes back to the leadership, those seniors, those guys that are, are captains. And, and you know what? They could easily started blaming and complaining and pointing fingers. Those guys looked at themselves and said, we're going to work. And they drugged everybody with them. And, and that's the sign of a, a team that's led by its, its seniors and its leaders. And uh, there was no other option in our program. There was no other option. You know, I can get up there as a head coach and say, this is what we're doing. But until it's implemented by the leaders on your team, um, you know, that that's such a strong statement in terms of their type of leadership. And so I'm proud of the way they've led our program. That's interesting. He said, we can talk all we want to as coaches, but until it is taken and implemented by the leaders on the team, you're really not going to be successful. I thought that was really transparent, what he was talking about, the improvement in the play with his ball club. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman gets it because he was a player at one point, and now he's a coach leading players at this point. So I think he understands the significance of what those seniors mean and what the leadership of that of those seniors mean to the program and how it lays out for the future. And I think – uh, Marcus Freeman is a guy that you want to be around as a senior and a guy you want to be around as a leader because he's going to put you in spots to lead and do that, this, that, and the third, which is what a great head coach does. So um, you get to see a, a melding of what a team that loves to have their head coach and a head coach that loves to be there. Can can we at least get the gray vest in the bookstore, man? I'm saying it'd be clean. Under Armour. I mean, what? You all don't like money? He just got his personal line, and he always looking fresh and stands out. I don't even think he got wet. That brother kept it on after the post game because he said, I'm still warm in this. Man, look here, man. (laughs) (laughs) So fresh and so clean, bro. So fresh and so clean. Um, let's go ahead. Let's dive into it. Um, let's get this recruiting out of the way. Uh, briefly delve into it a little bit while we're giving out the grades. Rumors of Jaden Greathouse, who I guess went to another game in Texas and Peyton Bond. Uh, some guy future cast him as flipping to Oklahoma. Thoughts left. Do it. <laughs> I, I wish the fan base could really have the attitude we have. Dude, we don't care. We don't care. Marcus Freeman said it on the field immediately after the game with Zora Stevenson, man. Notre Dame is a place that will expose you. It's different. It's a place of resiliency. It's a place that's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge the worst of you. It's going to challenge the best of you. Either you want to be here or you don't. 
Ain't nobody begging nobody to be at. Ain't nobody about to beg you. You're not about to bring other offers back to us and negotiate. We're not doing that. And Marcus Freeman and his staff haven't made it abundantly clear in this 2023 class that we're not doing. We're not doing. You can go. Don't go visit, get a deal, and then come back to us asking us, can we match it? You end up like Ray and Swing Time Records, bro. Like, we're going to have to let you go. Yeah, we're not mad or nothing. It's just... No. We don't do that. We don't we don't give you we don't give someone that has not added any value to the program as of yet millions of dollars. And then when they get upset after that freshman year, they hop in the transfer portal, kind of like Walter Nolan, the number one defensive tackle who went to Texas AM, got money, and now he's bouncing, probably about to head back home to Tennessee. Jack Swarbrick told you this type of stuff was going to happen. He said it. Got the money, went back to Tennessee. John Garcia Jr. on our show predicted stuff like this was going to happen. And Notre Dame took the stance. We're going to wait and see how things play out. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is, man. So, if they sign, welcome. If they don't, cool. No welcome. <laughs> Hands on Twitter talking about I'm, I'm terrified. Like, terrified? Like, really? Get control of your emotions. I'm not terrified about any young man making a decision. Last but not least, we want to talk about this Phil Jacoby situation. Left, you have something to say? I'm sure you read the post. I mean, he just kept it vague enough to where, you know, people would speculate all type of stuff. So it just shows you really <clears throat> scared to say what you really want to. And, you know, who cares? You know, you're dealing with three or four injuries anyway. So, you know, everybody likes to write great long posts, but it's just a post. So basically, this is what I have to say. <clears throat> Fans, they want to put them on the petty train. We have to oblige. Throw Phil on the petty train, right? Certain information that I know that I will not divulge, but I'll say this. For a large percentage of what he said, he wasn't wrong. And it's sad. My only issue with Phil is that he is allowing individuals inside of an institution speak for the totality of the institution. I don't care where you go. There's always going to be what people perceive as bad apples or jerks or people that are just mean. Like people are people. That's a people problem. School, work, family. You can't choose your family. I have family members I'm not bringing to the corporate party, bro. I just can't. <laughs> I love them to death. Love them to death. Love them to death. They're not coming with me to my corporate party, bro. Yeah, going with you. Nah. Nah. But that doesn't make my family a bad family. That's true. So, you know, his comments <clears throat> seem to be the name aimed at Notre Dame. 
rather than being aimed at the people. I always wondered what triggered it. He was honest. Go read his statement. He flat out said derogatory comments from the media, which I'm going to assume came from Notre Dame media, about his comments that he made over the summer prompted him to say this. Period. And I'll say this. His use, based upon the information that I know, his use of cultural appropriation from certain people was spot on. It was not something that he misused. It was spot on. And it shouldn't happen anywhere. I don't care where it shouldn't. What took place in his experience should not happen anywhere. And it has nothing to do with the institution. I'm talking about no person or people should entreat anyone that way. They shouldn't. My problem is if you're going to broach that, you got to lay it all out on the table, bro. You can't be vague. That's what I'm saying. It just it was too vague. Not everybody knows. I didn't know. I was just like, well, you're not you saying a bunch of not with that topic. When you when you go into that topic, that's that's a sensitive topic, and you can't be vague. So if derogatory comments made you speak up, then just spill the beans. Yeah, like just spill the beans. It just sounds like you just salty about something or something. That's really. It is. It is. So somebody should have proofread it and let them know this part's cool. This part, uh, you might want to kind of fashion it a little bit different. But it is what it is. You know, he has to live with it now because he put it out there. So you know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junk and Petty Story of the Day brought to you by Norwhiskey, Norwhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, Norwhiskey.com. Um, I'm not even going to say his name because, look, that quarterback for the New York Jets, man, throw that dude on the Petty Train, man. <laughs> you talking about somebody that doesn't get it. Like, my brother, look, man. How did he get drafted number two overall? Undisputedly. You know why. I'm talking about it was like, oh, okay, we got him at one and then Zach at two. And then uh, well, who knows what happens at three? How? Yeah, you know you know how. And it's the same reason, the exact same reason Will Levis is seen as oh, yeah. a number two in this draft. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Come on, man. There's a, He's had a horrible season. It's not like he's had a great season and people are like, He's had a horrible season at Kentucky. Like you shouldn't even horrible. 
Horrible. Vanderbilt. There's no, this is my issue. And I'll leave it at this. There is no way Hendon Hooker could have had a horrible season at Tennessee and still be considered oh, yeah, the no. first round pick. Hell no. no way. Hell no. no way. This dude, Will Levis, has been awful. And is, is behind C.J. Stroud. And he's climbing. People are talking about this dude being number one. Man, we'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see.